You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. I'm not some TV personality. I do love hee-haw. We're back on The Pipeline Show. It is Guy Flaming. It's another NCAA campus report brought to you by College Hockey, Inc. For all of you who are exploring your options and, and want to know what you need to do to keep your NCAA eligibility intact, that would be a good place to start. It is. It can be pretty tricky to figure out what you can and what you can't do uh, and what would void your uh, eligibility. So uh, go collegehockeyinc.com, maybe get in touch with uh, the folks there, and uh, they could probably steer you on the right path. Uh, my guest today is Jimmy Conley from USCHO. Jimmy, welcome back to the Pipeline Show. How are things out in Boston? Uh, they're great. We got, uh, we got our first real snowstorm of the season, so it actually feels like hockey season right as it's turning spring. So that's, a, that's always the appropriate uh, reaction from Boston. You know how many people hearing that just now have just uh, flipped you the bird or, you know, swore at you or something? Cause, uh, I mean, listen, we've gotten snow this season, but we just hadn't had anything over a foot. Now we got a 14-incher on Monday, and that, you know, makes me feel like we're in the playoff season for hockey. Wow, that, that actually surprises me considering the weather across North America the, over the last month and a half or so that you guys kind of got off easy. We we definitely got off easy. And I'll, I'll, as a guy who's a homeowner now, I've had a house for about seven years, and I've hated every one of these winters since I've become a homeowner. So <laughs> uh, having to snow blow, having to find ways to get moved the snow and put it somewhere is usually the most difficult part. I'll take as little as possible. All right. Uh, let's get to the hockey. And uh, it is a, a conference playoffs to start this weekend for, uh, what, four of the six conferences. So it's that time of year, and everybody's got an eye on the uh, the pairwise and the and the big national tournament as well. And when I look at the pairwise, the first thing that jumps out at me is how many big name teams are on the outside looking in. I mean, you could go through, you know, it's North Dakota, it's um, um, Minnesota, Michigan. Uh, there's a lot of uh, the the bigger name programs. Both Boston University, Boston College is a complete afterthought right now. Uh, are, are you surprised that there's so many of the perennial powerhouse schools uh, on the outside looking in right now? I am and I'm not. I mean, we've seen the trend toward newer teams, you know, having some real power on the national stage of late. You think of Union winning a national title, Yale winning a national title, Quinnipiac getting to a national title game, UMass Lowell reaching their first first quarter. All these have happened in the last five years, five, six years. And you've seen some other programs, you know, such as Minnesota Duluth really step step up. St. Cloud State, they've played some great hockey, and they'll likely be the number one team in the tournament for the second consecutive year. So you, you look at some of those types of uh, teams, and you know that they have some real cachet nowadays. And then the fact that these other teams, Minnesota, North Dakota, Boston University, uh, they just, they have been, you know, they now are the teams that are trying to catch up. The recruiting process hasn't been as easy for these clubs, and I think that's a big part of it as well. Well, and the, with those schools needing to win their conferences, basically, to, to get in, that also means that there are some schools who don't normally or aren't always in there every year that will be in the big tournament this year. And the first one that comes to mind for me is Arizona State, and it's been, what, uh, since the early 90s, since a, an independent school has made the uh, the national tournament pretty great. It's a great story, isn't it, to see the Sun Devils there? It is a fantastic story, and to know what they've done it with, they still have not built their arena. The ground will break on the, that arena in the off season of this year. They just got funding for it last year, so they've been playing 
at a 700-seat arena called Oceanside Ice Arena, which is at least, I think, a 1,000 miles from the closest ocean. Yeah. And then they spent some time over at the uh, the Coyotes Arena, but those games are few and far between. And actually, they're the games that are less preferred to their head coach, Greg Powers, because they can't create that same atmosphere that 700 really rapid, screaming fans can create uh, at Oceanside. They've been a great home team. Uh, they've They've not shied away from taking on the big dogs. They've played some of the best teams, I believe, out of the six conference champions that have been crowned in, in all six conferences. They played four of them at some point this year and had some success uh, against many. They they haven't had the best record against the top, top teams, the top 10, maybe you'd say, in, in the current pairwise. Um, but that hasn't mattered because they've played such a strong schedule. And They've actually made being an independent be a little bit of an advantage. You know, they basically have all non-conference games, so you can't be pulled down by the weakness of a conference. So, uh, you know, they, they don't have the same record as the best teams in the WCHA right now, but the WCHA played in such an incredibly weak conference this year. Their bottom of their conference did not do well in non-league play. As a whole, they were fifth out of six conferences in non-league play as a winning percentage. So, you know, teams in the WCHA, if they don't go perfect on their non-league schedule, then their conference play is not going to bring up their RPI. Well, Arizona State doesn't have that problem because all their conference games are their non-conference games. Every game feels the same to them, and they get to schedule some of the tougher teams. You know, and you don't know when you're putting together a schedule – three years ago that American International playing them twice down the stretch was actually going to be a big positive for your RPI because they ended up being one of the best teams. When they were scheduled, they were a perennial 11th or 12th team or whatever they were in the in uh, Atlantic Hockey. They were at the bottom of the barrel. So they've lucked out with some opponents, too, that you know some of these teams that they put on their schedule ended up being pretty good, Harvard being one of them. Boston University, I know that they're they're not an NCAA tournament team, but they're pretty good. Ohio State, they got on their, their schedule. They didn't win those games, but the fact that they played them, and they've played a lot of Big Ten schools, which you know the Big Ten has had a very good out-of-conference schedule, so that has a strong conference RPI. So they've really made that independent uh, tag be an advantage for them this season. And then when you're winning 21 games with that schedule – you're putting yourself in an ex- excellent position for that at large bit. It has been, you mentioned it's been since 1992 when Alaska Anchorage did it three years in a row, 90, 91, and 92. They went uh, to the tournament as an independent and joined the WCHA. So it, it's been a long time. You haven't had a lot of independence, and that's one reason, but Arizona State has found a way to do it right. How uh, significant is the suspension to Jacob Wilson, How and how many games will he miss? He'll be, obviously, that'll impact the uh... The, the club uh, when it comes to the national tournament, won't it? Yeah, well, they don't play a playoff game because they are as an independent. So their next game will be the national tournament. It'll be a national regional game. And he's been suspended for two games, which one was automatic because he got the game disqualification for the, the contact of the head penalty. And then the WCHA, which administers the rules and the officiating for Big Ten teams, and that's handled suspension. They tacked on an extra game. So if Arizona State's a one-and-done, he'll miss the one tournament game and one next season. Or if they make it to the regional final, then he'll miss both of those games. And I think, you know, he's a, a decent player. You know, he's not one of their 
players that they have to have in the lineup every night. Um, but you don't want to be missing players this time of year. And you can look at, you know, Quinnipiac and Yale, they had a bit of a skirmish last weekend where three of their players got disqualified and thus will miss their first playoff game. It'll be league playoffs. The Yale, they're going to play in the first round of the ECAC this weekend. They'll be without a player. And then Quinnipiac will be without two players including Chase Prisky, who I know a lot of people have on their Hobie, radar, Hobie Baker radar screen. He's going to miss a, a game. He kicked a player the other night. He'll miss the first playoff game when they get to the ECAC quarterfinals. So it's interesting that, you know, tempers really seem to be boiling over and, and cooler heads not prevailing at a time of year when you really need them to because you don't want to be missing from these high-profile, these big games in the, in the tournaments. Oh, no kidding. I, I... Didn't hear that Prisky had done that. He, he actually just kicked a guy? Yeah, it was, a, it was a skirmish after the whistle about halfway through the game against Yale the other night. And they're pretty bitter rivals as it is. Um, I don't think Yale likes having Quinnipiac in their backyard. Yale used to be, you know, the team of Southern Connecticut. And then when Quinnipiac joined the ECAC, you know, they had two teams within five minutes, six minutes of each other. Right. And I don't think Yale has ever appreciated that. And of course, Yale beat Quinnipiac to win their only national title. Since then, I think Quinnipiac has won, it's like 13 out of 15 games against them. So there's a lot of rivalry built up there and it boiled over about halfway through that game. Prisky didn't like something that was happening around the goaltender, slams the guy down. And then while he was down, he kicked him in the head. And that was uh, caught by the referees, caught on video. And he'll miss at least one game. I haven't heard anything from the league. Whether they're going to do anything above one, I would doubt it. But um, it was a stupid play for a guy that's, again, in a really good position. He's competing for the Colby Baker. And you know, you're supposed to take into effect a, a the, the character of a player when you're voting for Colby Baker. And he might have just cost himself um, some votes when it comes to Colby Baker. Yeah, I would have to think so. Uh, all right, some of the teams that are kind of on the, the pairwise bubble uh, obviously going to have to wait and see what happens with the Atlantic Hockey uh, uh, champion. Whoever comes out of that conference gets the automatic bid. So a team like Notre Dame, who's 15th right now in the pairwise, I guess you could say they're 16th because whoever that champion out of the Atlantic Conference is automatically uh, gets a spot ahead of them. How much do the conference playoffs affect the pairwise? So a team like Harvard or Western Michigan or Notre Dame or Penn State, they're all 13, 14, 15, 16 they're really on the bubble, aren't they? They are. Uh, yeah, anybody I'd say from 12 on down, uh, you know, down to 17, 18 are bubble teams. I think I did some of the math yesterday that if Lowell were to win every game, they're sitting at 18, you might as If they were to win every game, so that would be one this weekend, two in the quarterfinals, win their semifinals, lose in the finals, they'd still have about an 85% chance of getting in. So, wow. I think the bubble kind of ends at 18. If you play really well and you need the at-large bid, you might have a chance of getting in, but they don't control their own destiny. But the, the thing that stands out to me about the bubble, obviously you mentioned Atlantic hockey. They will take up one of the top 16 spots. Two more that become very interesting are the WCHA and the Big Ten, because in the WCHA, the only team within the top 16 is Minnesota State. In the Big Ten, the only team within the top 16 is Ohio State. Mm-hmm. So if either of those teams don't win their conference tournament, that's going to bring a team from below that bubble up and knock somebody out. So you're looking at you know, two, all you need is two really easy upsets in single elimination format that could happen. Uh, to, to occur, and now you're you're moving that bubble from you know the, what everybody thinks is the top 16, now moving up to 13. Then maybe you have somebody you know come out of nowhere, say a Boston College in Hockey East, 
you've moved that bubble up. Now you have to be in the top 12 to, to uh, earn your at-large bid. It, so it gets very precarious. You've got to make sure that you're putting yourself in the best position. In bubble teams right now, anybody that's probably from 12 down should feel very unsafe. And even you never know if you're if you're in that uh, 10th or 11th position, you you put a few losses together, you're going to slip and you're going to end up in that, you know, 13, 14, 15, and you're going to have to be holding your breath conference tournament weekend saying, boy, I hope this team doesn't win. Boy, I hope this team does win. It's, it's the situation that Minnesota Duluth was in last year. Providence was in a number of years ago where you're just kind of sweating it out on the last night. You find out you're in by, as a, the case was last year, one ten thousandth of a percentage point in the pairwise. Wow. It's, it's really going to come down to the wire. That makes it exciting, I guess, for fans and everybody uh, watching. Uh, so there, there's something to that for sure. Let's uh, switch gears. Jimmy Conley from USCHO is my guest. Uh, this time of year, we're always looking at uh, free agents to come out of college hockey that NHL teams will have their eye on, and, and uh, Hobie Baker still to come as well. Uh, and sometimes those lists can cross over. And one guy that might be near the top of both of those lists is Taro Hirose of Michigan State, Canadian from Calgary. Uh, he's been on the show about a month ago, as a matter of fact. But this is a guy, he's leading college hockey in scoring as a junior. And you think a lot of teams would be, he'd be high on their list to sign as a free agent as well. Yeah, I think, you know, teams want to try to lock these free agents up after their junior year, if at all possible. And Hirose's a guy that's going to get offers. You know, he's, He's proven it in a, in a tough league and on a big stage that he can score, you know, 15 goals, 50 points in only 34 games. You know, when you look at an offensive talent, he's probably the highest end free agent. And again, he's playing in the Big Ten. So you're getting a lot of exposure. A lot of, you know, if you look at every Friday and Saturday this time of year, there's at least one game on the Big Ten network. So this second half of the season, you know, he's played very well when the spotlight has been on. When he's been on TV, you've noticed him. When he's not been on TV, I still find him in the stat sheet every week. So he's a player that I know Dan Cole loves, um, and he's developed really well. You know, he slid through the cracks of the draft somehow, but now he's in a position that uh, the scoring alone, the offense alone, could could do something for him and allow him to get that free agent contract. Are there uh, maybe three or four other uh, potential free agent signings that are, are close uh, to the uh, the top of your list that you that you expect guys who will sign. Yeah, I think um, you know I think two seniors that are going to get some some real looks are Ryan Kuffner and uh, Max Verano from Princeton. They were obviously on a lot of player uh, people's screens radar screens last year when they won uh, the Ivy League title. They won the ECAC title. They were a real high profile team. They were supposed to come back, return most of their team, and be that team once again this year, and they just haven't been able to do so. That said, they've both been putting up really high uh, offensive stats. Uh, looking Kuffner, 40 points, Barreto, 36 points, and both only played 29 games. So they, you know, they're doing all the right things. Their team maybe is, and I always say that that's one of the things that worries me. But I also feel that scouts nowadays are digging a little deeper. It always felt. You know, if I go back when I was first in college hockey 25 plus years ago, that the teams that lost players early were teams that had success. But now, over the last few years, I've seen a lot of signings happening for teams that aren't even, you know, on player radars. These are kids that they want to get out of college because they're not maybe enjoying their experience. Their team isn't playing well. And some NHL teams have given kids contracts. It, you know, maybe that's not the right thing to do, but. Uh, I don't feel like you have to be uh, an NCAA tournament team to get on the, uh, the NHL's radar anymore. 
Um, another couple of players, I think um, Odin Tufto at Quinnipiac, he's only a sophomore, and that, you know, he might want to stay around there a little bit longer, but he's a real good offensive talent and a kid that very few people have probably heard of, but I guarantee he's a Holy Baker finally could jump into the hat trick is uh, Joe Duzek from Mercyhurst. He's a defenseman with a lot of offensive skill. He's a good puck-moving defenseman. I went out uh, about a month and a half ago to see him play, and he was the real deal. You know, you know the, the team's down a goal, and he picks off a puck You know, in the defensive zone somewhere around the top of the circles, and he's just speed. And he was able to light it by. Everybody goes in, makes a great move on the goaltender, scores. That's the type of player he is, and... Uh, a lot of people don't know about him, but I think that there's enough scouts, and I, I know that that weekend, uh, talking to the AD out at Mercyhurst, they had about 10 NHL scouts at both games, which is not always the case at an Atlantic hockey game, but there's a lot of scouts looking at Lucan at Duzak, and I think he'll be somebody that, that will uh, probably get the contract offer at some point this offseason. I don't know how much you've seen Arizona State play, but Princeton Pashnuk is from uh, our our area up here, played in the Alberta Junior Hockey League with Bonneville. Not the biggest guy in the world, 5'10", 5 5 and 11, uh, somewhere around that mark, but really physical, and he's putting up good numbers uh, for the Sun Devils. And I remember when I had him on the show, he talked about how he loves to fight. Obviously, he can't do that uh, at the NCAA level, but um, is this a guy who you give maybe a fighting chance to as a free agent? Well, I think the size can go a long ways with him. And I did, I've seen them play now a couple of times and I've gone to a couple of their practices and, uh, talked to their coach. And obviously, you know, he's second in scoring, uh, as a defenseman on that team. Um, but he's also one of the more reliable players. And, you know, having talked to a number of people, you know, everybody talks about two players on that team, Johnny Walker and, uh, Joey Decor, the goaltender. Um, and I don't think anybody holds Walker's rights either. I, I, I might be wrong about that. No, you're right. Uh, no, Decord. Decord is, uh, somebody has his rights and he'll probably be out of there after this year. But I would give Pass, Pass, Pass and Chuck. Am I saying, is that, I'm not even saying it right. Pass, Pass and Chuck. It's just two, <laughs> two syllables. Pass Nuck. Pass Nuck. There you go. There you go. Pass Nuck. People are going to give him uh, probably a better look than even Johnny Walker because he's a two-way player. Obviously, as a defenseman, you have to be, but he has that puck-moving skill. Johnny Walker, he's a very talented offensive player, and he has a nose for the net, and he will finish. But his big knock on his game right now is that he does not get back. He does not play defense. He'll make more defensive mistakes, and uh, you know he'll get into himself into some trouble on the defensive side. Then all of a sudden, the puck goes up ice, and he'll score a goal. It's one of those you know, the type of players that the puck just seems to find him, but you also worry about him every time he's on the ice, whether he's going to get back and even play any defense. So I think that pass is not, <laughs> not going to get this. It's not getting any better. Yeah. Uh, it's probably going to have more of a look. And, you know, I, I did like him when he played um, out at Harvard and, and saw him there, and I've seen him on tape a lot because uh, a lot of the games are, are um, shown on uh, Pac-12 and through streaming, so uh, he's he's a guy, and he's he seems to be the real deal, a junior, and he you know he'll he's at the age he'll start getting some looks. All right, last uh, subject would be the uh, the Hobie Baker guys that you think will be on on the short list. You you mentioned that you think uh, who, was it uh, Joe Duzak that you said you thought might be? Uh... I think yeah, I think he'll get some looks. There's no doubt about that. I think that there's a chance that there could be you know three defensemen. Uh, maybe in the Hobie Trahatrick this year. And it's not going to be based on points. It's going to be based on just how good they are. You know, I, I, Kale McCarr is somebody we haven't even mentioned. Probably the 
overall best player in college hockey right now. Coached in hockey, so you know, kind of said he really should have left last year um, and headed to Colorado, but he, he came back for another year. He's the best player in hockey, East, hands down. Um, we mentioned Chase Prisky a little bit. He might have hurt himself um, with his antics last week. Yeah. And then in terms of points, of those guys, Joe Duzak actually has the most points, most points per game um, of that trio. So I think those guys will all get some looks. And then you have, I haven't even mentioned Adam Fox, right. who, you know, he has done some great things at Harvard. So it's, it's, we, you go a long time without seeing a lot of defensemen get into a, a position to win the Hobie Baker. It's such a forward laden award. Um, but here you have a year that you have four guys that are going to be pretty legit candidates um, as a defenseman. I mean, it, we mentioned Hiroshi. I think he's going to get a look. Evan Barrett at Penn State, he's a fantastic player. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, maybe Nico Sturm at Clarkson gets a look. Maybe Patrick Newell at St. Cloud State. All of these guys, they're putting up the points, but it just feels like one of those years. It feels like it's going to be the year of the defenseman. I wouldn't be surprised to see one of those. Really talented blue irons taken home. Well, and then if there's another defenseman we didn't, we also haven't mentioned Quinn Hughes. Would he be a consideration? <laughs> well, yeah, you know what? I, I think that he, you have to kind of put him in there. Um, you know, obviously his he's more of a defensive defenseman, and I think that Hobie likes points. We always say that Hobie likes scoring, and the fact that he has 33 points in 30 games, not bad. Five goals, yeah, that you know, goal scoring kind of does kind of go but he's so responsible and he's such a good defensive defenseman it's hard to overlook him entirely but i feel like there's so many good candidates right now at the defensive position i I don't think when i say this i don't think that when they really do the balloting out it matters how many defensemen they have in the top 10 so to think that they could have five out of the top 10 as defensemen is not out of the question in my mind um, but if it was one that might get left out just because, not because of his talent, not because of his ability, but because, as I say, Hobie likes scoring, I think that, you know, Hughes, just the fact that he doesn't have double-digit goal numbers, that that might be able to be something that hurts him. All right, we'll watch for that. Uh, as always, Jimmy, fantastic to catch up with you. I forgot to get you on uh, during Beanpot uh, season, so uh, my apologies for that. Uh, it was an annual tradition that I let slip by uh, this year. Well, I'll... I'll won't make that same mistake uh, next season, but uh, great to catch up with you once again. All right, Keen. Hopefully, one of these bean pods someday. You're just going to be down in Boston. We'll, we'll be able to talk to you as a live. I really want you to, to make it to that tournament someday. Oh, I'd love it. That would be fantastic. Thanks, Jimmy. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Gabe. The one, the only, Jimmy Conley from USCHO. He's been a guest on the Pipeline Show. Boy, it must be going back to like year two or three of the program uh, always a guy that i can count on to deliver the goods when it comes time to talk some college puck up next is a guy playing college hockey canadian who's actually on the uh list uh, the rather long list of nominees for the hobie baker award as college hockey's a top player guy who told me he grew up dreaming to play in the quebec major junior hockey league and then at uh, age 16 17 made a detour, and uh, headed to Boston to join the Northeastern Huskies. His name is Jeremy Davies. He's uh, drafted by the New Jersey Devils. Get to know him next here on the Pipeline Show. This is Guy Gadowski from Penn State Hockey. You're listening to the Pipeline Show. Nothing 
compares to the smile on a child's face after their wish has been granted. The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help too. View the wishes, refer a child, and donate at rainbowsociety.ab.ca or get involved as a volunteer. Having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness. Visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today.